On the block, on demand. They don't know about the Kumbaya meetings we had this week. I may have some news for you in a moment. Without Jerry McNamara, we wouldn't have won 10 games this year. Continue standing by. Okay, not 10. 25-footer, yes! Off the glass and in! An assassin, Stone Cold! Somebody in Vegas told him they were going to win by 20! The Bills make me want to... Taylor, going to take a shot, throwing in zone, he's got weapons, touchdown! They didn't look into your heart, they didn't look into my heart! The Boston Red Sox are world champions! This is On The Block. Here is your host, Brent Axe. ESPN Radio 97.7. I, 100.1. ESPN Radio Utica Road. What's up, Mohawk Valley? Hope you're doing well. I'm doing well. You know why? I had me some Holland Farms donuts the other day. Spectacular. You can listen online. They have the internet on computers now, ESPNSyracuse.com. But for the love of Pete, get outside. Get some vitamin D. Enjoy this gorgeous, continuous fall weather. Here in central New York, it's going to continue through the weekend as well. And we allow you to do that because we have the ESPN app. So you get the app on your phone, you hit the listen tab, you find ESPN Syracuse, and off you go. Go walk the dog, get outside, do things. Come on, get up out of that chair and get outside, as my mother would always do. Stop watching that sports stuff. It's not going to amount to anything. Get outside and play, right? Love you, Mom. 437-7644. That's the phone number. Brent Tax Media on Twitter. The text line is 288-0644. That's how you get in touch today. Would love to hear from you throughout the next couple of hours. We've got two guests joining us today. Right here this hour in about 15 minutes, our good friend Seth Everett, MLB insider. How about those New York Yankees kids? Up 3-2. They are one win away from the World Series. The Dodgers did not clinch the National League last night. They will try to do that tonight. Joe Madden got tossed out of that game. He should not have been tossed out of that game. He was right. Can the Cubbies make it even more interesting? We shall find out the answers to these questions and more because our MLB insider Seth Everett will join us coming up later this hour, not only on baseball, but Seth uh, full of opinions on a number of things, including I would suspect Syracuse football. Speaking of Syracuse football, it is Thursday, every Thursday on the block during this college football season. The head coach, Dino Babers, joins us on the program. Thanks, Brent. It is presented by Burdick BMW, Burdick Lexus, fair rubbish removal. That's in the next hour of the show. Yeah, I know. Tom Petty once said it. The waiting is the hardest part. So you got to wait till then to hear from the coach. What did Dino Babers want from me that, I'll just put it this way, his wish was granted. His wish was granted. I'll tell you what that is later in the show. Maybe we'll talk a little bit about that Clemson win and preview this little football game with Miami that's coming up. 3.30 kickoff, 1.30 pregame show right here on ESPN Radio Syracuse on Saturday. It's a road game which means I'll just be right in the chair I'm in now. But don't forget, for every home game, we are at Shaughnessy's Irish Pub in the Marriott downtown Syracuse. 
for our pregame show. But if you need a little Shaughnessy's fix, Coach Babers will do his show there tonight at 7 o'clock, followed by we're going to re-air that Clemson game for you. If you missed it, want to listen back, bask in the glory. Yankees are off tonight, right? So you can just plan your evening around this. 8 o'clock tonight right here, ESPN Radio Syracuse. You can listen back to that Syracuse-Clemson game. That's right. We're going to bring it to you tonight, 8 o'clock, right here, baby. Stay tuned this hour and next hour for passes to the screening of Nature Boy, the Ric Flair story, the new ESPN 30 for 30, which you will see before anyone else. If you win, you get a pregame meal. You get a shot to win the entire ESPN 30 for 30 library. We're going to do a little Q&A with me afterwards. We had a great time doing this for the Mike and the Mad Dog 30 for 30, and we're back, baby. So we got a jammed show. Hot takes to come as usual. Did you watch that Rick Pitino interview? I mean, you want to talk about when you go down, you go down in flames. I present to you Richard Pitino. We will listen back to some of that and just, uh, just it's almost sad at this point. It really is. So we will get into that later in the program. Plenty of football to discuss, but we start today, friends, with a little Syracuse basketball. That's right. Tomorrow night at the Dome is the orange-white scrimmage, which is going to be interesting to follow itself because this is not the usual bells and whistles, rappers. Uh, what was the German juggler boy's name? That uh, it Was it Hilby, right? Hilby, the German juggler boy. He's usually at the State Fair, and they brought him to the Dome, and Jim Beheim's coming in in a tank, and Jim Beheim's coming in in police cars. and They've tried a little bit of everything at Orange Madness through the years. What you're going to see tomorrow is kind of a scaled-back version. It's just a basketball game, and the Sour Citrus Society will be there, and they'll have giveaways, and I think they're doing the fan selfie thing again, right? But it's a much more toned-down version of what we've seen in recent years. So this is an interesting team to get a look at because, well, there's a lot of new faces to get used to. This is a team that is one of the more inexperienced in the ACC. That lost Torian Thompson before the year, somebody they thought could kind of be the Robin to Tyus Battles Batman. But, see, as I say all this, there are some of you that are already starting to come around to an ideal that surrounds the Syracuse basketball team. It is one I don't blame you for because there is a track record of success there. So let me give you the latest reason to get into this. It's preseason poll time, kids. The USA Today Top 25 Coaches Poll was put out today, of which, by the way, Jim Beheim votes in and has voted in often through the years. And in that poll, who uh, wants a quiz? In the USA Today preseason top 25 poll, did Syracuse Basketball Orange receive a spot in the top 25? No. The answer is no. Okay. So if they did not get a spot in the top 25, which isn't a big surprise, frankly, clearly we're not talking about if they got any votes. If they are in the others receiving votes, category, I mean, of course they're in the others receiving votes category. It's just a matter of were they high in said category? Were they in the middle of said category? Were they, what's that? They're not in that category. Category. Hey now. Well, really, who's surprised by that? So you can look at this one of two ways. Now, preseason polls are what they are, 
And I love how the preseason poll narrative gets spun. Because if Syracuse was in the top five of the poll, the top ten of the poll, in the poll, I would be getting emails. And you'd be seeing tweets telling you as such from branded Syracuse University accounts. Look, we're in the poll. Hey, everybody. Woo! But because they're not in the poll, it'll be brushed off as, we'll show them, right? I recall a time in 2003 when a team that had Carmelo Anthony was not in the preseason poll and ended up the national champions of college basketball. And that is a narrative that is actually kind of spot on, that the teams that are off the radar, that are branded the underdog, that they're not getting paid attention to early on, just have this way of rising through and being the successful teams. You don't want to be the number one team, the number five team, the number 10 team in the preseason poll. You want to find yourself in the real poll at the end of the year. But there are certain programs that raise your hand, barring some kind of catastrophic injury, are, let's just look at the top five teams, okay? Again, putting aside injury. These are the top five teams in the poll. Duke, Michigan State, Kansas, Kentucky, Arizona. How much different is that going to look at the end of the year? How much different is that going to look in March when we're on the verge of the NCAA tournament? Duke, Michigan State, Kansas, Kentucky, Arizona. Those top four teams, by the way, are every year they do that, uh, what is it, that State Farm Champions Classic thing in Chicago and those teams always face off. By the way, of those four teams I just mentioned, Syracuse will play two of them. You know about Duke, but don't forget Syracuse, Kansas, in Miami in the preseason. All right, in the pre-conference schedule, I should say. Of the top 25 teams ranked, Syracuse will face a total of six of them. So for what it's worth, there you go. So what this sets up is a team that, when you're in the ACC and you're led by Jim Beheim and you're Syracuse basketball, you're never completely off the radar. But you will be given time to develop without as bright of a spotlight shining on you, which is a good thing for a team that has one of the most least experienced rosters in the ACC. Just four players back from last year's roster at all. Just two of those guys played an entire offseason, or played through an entire season, pardon me. Tyus Battle, Frank Howard. We mentioned Torian Thompson. You've got brand new forwards coming in that have to mix in. You only have two centers in Barama and Pascal Chukwu. You've got... Geno Thorpe has got to incorporate himself into that backcourt. You're going to hear a lot of great things about how they've looked in practice. Tomorrow is media day and then the orange-white scrimmage. And you're going to hear coaches praise what they have seen over the last 20 days. And you're going to – I don't think Jim Beheim is going to make any kind of declaration like he made last year because he got burned by that. And he's – I'm not telling tales out of school. He said as much, right? Maybe shouldn't have – said anything about that team, just kind of let it develop. But he was very confident in his team last year. Andrew White and John Gillen somewhat validated how he felt because they turned into, I mean, Andrew White's got the three-point record. John Gillen had his up and downs, but scored 43 against NC State, hit the game winner against Duke. But all told, that was not a tournament team, which in Syracuse, New York, that's not a successful season, Right. So you take the opposite approach this year. We're going, to, we're going to surprise people. We are the underdog. And much like this football team, before Friday night could pound its chest 
and say no one believes in us and quarterback Eric Dungy could walk into a room and say, show of hands, who thought we can win this game and no hands go up. If Syracuse beats Miami on Saturday, he could walk in that room and about half the hands will go up, including mine, by the way, because I picked Syracuse to win today, the dreaded curse of the Axeman, right? For basketball, you've got a heck of a story here because at what point in time could this team rise into the others receiving votes category? Remember, what sunk their battleship last year was that they did not get enough quality wins before they got to the ACC. They were playing catch-up when they got to league play. They lost too many key non-conference games. You got Kansas this year. You've got Georgetown this year. You've got St. Bonaventure this year. You've got Maryland this year. There are plenty of opportunities to get that attention, to check some boxes, to make people, oh, yeah, Syracuse, haven't heard about them in a couple months. What's up with them, right? So for now, you're never off the radar when you're Syracuse basketball, but by its standards, they have been given a cushion. Not being in the poll is a good thing when you have, or even getting votes in the poll is a good thing when you have a team that needs time to marinate, that needs time to get used to each other, that has a lot of new faces. Even these coaches, as smart as they are, as much basketball as they have seen, they don't know. They're going to need a couple games, a couple exhibitions, a couple games, even tomorrow night in a way, to really kind of figure out who goes where. So when you see the news that Syracuse is not ranked in the poll, do not scoff. Do not contact the, now this is the coaches poll. The AP poll will probably be the same. Don't contact the voters and tell them they don't know of what they speak. You know what you should do? You should thank them. Get in touch with those pollsters and say, bros, give them a little fist pound. Because that's not what Syracuse needs right now. This team does not need that. Last year, they started with that glaring spotlight on them, and it backfired. This year, they've got the great come-out-of-nowhere Story, and inevitably when they end up in the poll, inevitably when they end up beating one of those teams I mentioned and winning a game in the ACC, then you know someone's going to walk in that room and they're going to say, you thought we weren't a ranked team. Always the better narrative. Always the better way to approach things than to be the team up high that everybody's gunning for right from the start. On that note, we will take a break. 437-7644, 437-7644, Brent Axe Media on Twitter. The text line is 288-0644. How about them Yankees, huh? I'm hoping for a Yankees-Dodgers World Series. I'll admit it. I will not say the words. Now, I'm about to say the words. I, I do not want the Yankees to win, okay? I will not openly root for the Yankees to win. It is my preference that the Yankees play the Dodgers in the World Series, I will not root for that to happen because I can't root for the Yankees. It's just not in my DNA as a Red Sox fan. But if you're asking me, what is the World Series you prefer, my answer would be Yankees-Dodgers. Okay, that doesn't mean I'm rooting for the Yankees. I do have barriers. I do have lines. But you cannot doubt the way this team has turned things around, and they keep knocking down barriers, the latest being they finally got the Dallas Keuchel. We will get into that and more with our MLB insider, Seth Everett, next. Stay right there. 
This is On The Block with Brent Axe. That it is, my friends. Welcome back. Glad to have you here. On The Blocks presented by Burdick Toyota. We're going to hear from Dino Babers in about 10 minutes for our weekly chat with the head coach. Uh, a man who's no longer a head coach is Rick Pitino. Did you see the Pitino interview with Jay Billis on ESPN last night? As I always say when I play sound bites from something, I encourage you to watch the whole thing so you get a context of it, but I don't have time to replay the entire thing. So we'll just kind of give you the highlights, and then I'll let you watch it for yourself and judge fully here. But look, I understand that Rick Pitino is a man with a lot of pride. He's going to fight for his legacy. He'll say in a moment here, as you'll hear, that he doesn't care about that which I don't believe. I'm sorry. If there's one thing a man has is his reputation, it's his legacy. Coaches care about that stuff. And Patino can say what he wants to say, and, and he cites religion here, which is, is right, and that's fine, but don't tell me you don't care about legacy. The, all these guys care about legacy. That's all you have at the end. You can have trophies and Final Four bids and make all the money you want. At the end of the day, how will people remember you? That's important. Don't tell me people don't believe that. All right, so let's get into this interview a little bit here. That Jay Billis goes down and interviews Rick Pitino, and he is asked if he knew about the alleged payments that went to Brian Bowen's family. Bowen is the five-star recruit who magically showed up over the summer, was connected to the $100,000 payments that were made, not just at Louisville, but other schools were doing this, right? We're talking about wiretaps, FBI agents in the room, Subpoena power, real power to find this stuff out, right? So Rick Pitino was asked by Jay Billis if he knew about the alleged payments to the Bowen family. This was Rick Pitino's answer. One of the toughest things you have to do, and I hope you never do it, is take a lie detector test. You have a blood pressure machine, you're wired up, and I was asked two questions. I said, and I want you to ask me if any other recruits in my tenure were ever given anything. And he said, that's not what we're here for. We're here for, did you have any knowledge of the Bowen family get any money? Did you have any knowledge of an Adidas transaction? And I answered absolutely not on both questions and passed the lie detector test. So I had no knowledge of any of this. I teach a sports interviewing class at Newhouse. I know, can you believe it? But we had a great discussion this semester about, you know, so there's an old adage that you never ask a yes or no question. I believe that before I taught the class. I no longer believe that because a yes or no question can lead you to the next question. That was a yes or no question, and Rick Pitino gave a 33-second answer to it. This was pretty simple. Were you aware of the payments? And he tells a rambling story about taking a lie detector test, which, by the way, lie detectors can be beat. Lie detectors are not scientifically, you know, 100% accurate. They're rarely admitted in court. You know, and frankly, as George Costanza once said, and I only say this half facetiously, by the way, it's not a lie if you believe it. If Patino has talked himself into believing this, knowing it's false, then you can get by the lie detector. See, I looked at it, I took a lie detector. I passed lie detector. Well, it's not a lie if you believe it, Rick. By the way, you've lost the benefit of the doubt. How has Rick Patino been the victim of this time after time after time? And the problem is, even if you are the victim, even if this is true and you had no idea, first of all, you got to have an idea. That's your assistant coach in a room doing that. There's all these text messages with Adidas, and you're just going to throw up your hands and say, that's not what we were talking about. You have lost the benefit of the doubt because there's a backlog of this stuff. For a man who admittedly 
and brashly will sit there and tell you about how much of a micromanager he is and how he knows every vivid detail of what's going on with his players. Those are not my words, they're his. And then for this to come up and say, no idea. Well, guess what? Even if you didn't know, that's a you gots to know. How am I supposed to know? And I love how they turn it around and they become the victim. How am I supposed to know coach is in a hotel room with somebody? Well, you can't know everything. I understand that. But in to Patino's credit, he did say, I hired those guys, so I'm going to take the fall for it, right? But how time after time when this stuff comes up and these guys throw up their hands, they're like, I'm the victim here. I'm sorry. It just doesn't work that way. Let's listen to more of uh, Billis and Patino. I know the truth, and does it hurt me? Of course it hurts me. I want everybody to be proud of me. It hurts, but that being said, if I knew something was wrong, I've immediately would have terminated anybody in that situation. I have very little, I don't have any tolerance for people that do the wrong thing in that area. I do go over every little point. But no, I didn't know someone walked in a hotel room and was part of a sting operation. No, I didn't know that. And I sit here today and tell you, should I have known that somebody walked into a hotel room? I don't see how I could possibly know. Uh, In the other case, people say, how did you not know? Well, there were security in the building, assistant coaches, uh, 20 managers. We monitor social media. Not one thing came out in social media in that other case. So should I know, let's just say, I take ownership for who I hired and take full responsibility for that. Which is fine, but here's my thing. If what you just said in the prior soundbite is true, that you would fire anybody that would think about doing that, and that is the tone that they said, why would that coach defy you and do that? Why would that coach go in that room and secure the services of that player by doing that, knowing that if he did it, his butt would be fired. You don't cross the head coach. You don't go rogue here, which is what you know. Jim Beheim accused Stan Kissel of doing in the whole thing with the Fab Mello thing, and that may be true, but if you set a certain tone, they're not going to cross the head coach with something like that, $100,000 payments and things that could bring down a program. Maybe they'll cross the line on, like, you know, writing off certain meals and things that you do on the road. But if you have set that kind of authoritative tone and you're already on probation, let's not forget, then that assistant coach would never dream of doing something like that. Here's more from Patino, this time on Adidas and what's going on with that. Based on my text messages that I turned over uh, to the FBI voluntarily, uh, based on, on that, it was it was very minimal, maybe two or three times a year. That could be true, but it's not minimal enough that you're, you're suing them for the money that they still owe you, which, you know, hey, God bless America. Hire a lawyer, see what you can get, right? Now, Patino brought it up here about the board of trustees. Ultimately, they made the decision to fire him. He feels they didn't wait for enough facts, for enough things to play out here. Here's what he said about that. To me, this board of trustees locking me out of my office, telling me I'm dismissed, before facts came out, let it develop. They're not the University of Louisville. Board hired by the governor to deal with the the president's situation a while ago. They're not the University of Louisville that I know. So I hold no, I harbor no bitterness. I'll get better rather than bitter. Uh, But I I don't believe it's the University of Louisville. So the University of Louisville didn't treat me that way. This board of trustees did. And a couple of them. I shouldn't put them all in one lump sum. You know, it just, I watched this interview and first of all, he looked awful. 
And it made me sad to see that. I did. I mean, I still have empathy for a person. He looked awful. He looked like he hadn't slept in weeks and just had been physically ill from this. And you can imagine he was. This is his life. This is as much as he says he doesn't care about legacy. I mean, who doesn't care about legacy? And here he is saying that. How do you think this affects your legacy? My legacy is really not important because I'm not that significant. I think it, it takes you a long time to get an ounce of humility. But when you turn 50, I don't know if you're 50 yet, but, uh, but you realize that humility is the most important word in the dictionary. And my legacy is really irrelevant. It's not that important. By the way, ESPN's in a spot here because is Billis the guy to do that interview? No. Because Billis has a relationship with Patino. But given the choice between no interview or Billis doing it, and Billis asked all the right questions, but Billis is friends with Patino. Billis got access to Bayheim when Bayheim was suspended. Why? Because he trusts him and would do something like that. And Jay is as good of a college basketball analyst as you're going to find. Jay asked the right questions, but you can't tell me this is there's an unbiased party sitting in that room doing that interview. But that's just the way the world works. You, you go to who you trust, and when the possibility came up, you, you either get the interview or you don't. So I kind of see what ESPN did there, but you got to sort through everything. And I'm sorry, Rick Pitino just can't keep playing the victim card. Time after time, this has happened. You don't have that benefit of the doubt. The Karen Cypher thing, who you sent and paid for an abortion. The the stripper thing, which, you know, again, it just gets to a point, well, if you didn't know, you kind of should know. You were on probation. This should have been locked down. No chance of anything happening here and you can't control everybody and you have to put a certain amount of trust into people but it's one thing if you don't know that your players are out till four in the morning which you should know anyway but with players like you can tell them things and set a certain tone and you are a high profile person on campus and this is what is expected of you but they're college kids and they're gonna go out and they're gonna do stupid things so when we or anybody kind of blames if it's Bayheim, Patino, whoever it is, for you know a kid being out till four in the morning. I'll always give the benefit of the doubt there because college kids do stupid things. But these scandals, what has piled up at Louisville, these aren't college kids doing dumb things. These are people enabling college kids to do these things, giving into demands from the families. You know, if you believe the FBI report, we want a hundred thousand dollars. Five-star recruit magically shows up on your door in the middle of June out of nowhere. Like, it took the FBI and their subpoena power and the things that we, the media, did not have, frankly. The NCAA certainly is toothless in this, as they're proving with the North Carolina thing. And Patino's still coming out and doing the same act. It's like, no, I'm sorry. It's not going to work this time. Nor should it have worked the other times. On that note, we will break. We will come back. Our weekly chat with Dino Babers is next. The orange head from Miami. And what is the request the coach had of me that I may or may not have granted today? We'll show you coming up. Stay right there. You're on the block, ESPN Radio. Thank you. Bye-bye.